Let me start with a, uh, a brief story and we will uh, get to Colossians chapter 1. So if you have a copy of God's Word, you can go ahead and start to turn there. But there was a uh, 12-year-old boy by the name of Conrad. Conrad had two siblings and um, just like every other three-sibling family, mom got tired of them being in the house that morning and mom said, go outside. And so Conrad and his two younger siblings, they went outside, they went down the hill and they started playing in the creek that surrounded their home down at the bottom of the hill. And as they were doing that, Conrad uh, looked in the side bank of the creek and he saw something he'd never seen before. It, it was uh, it was a rock. He had seen those before, but he had never seen a rock like this one. And so he started digging that rock out and uh, his siblings started helping and they finally got that rock out and it was a huge, heavy rock. And their first thought was, we're going to take it up to mom and she's going to tell us exactly what it is. And so they toted it back up the hill. They called to mom and they said, mom, what is this? And she said, I don't know. I've never seen this before, but when dad gets home, we'll ask him and he will know. And so just at the end of the day, Dad comes in the door and all three of them say, here's a rock, what, what is it, Dad, what is it, Dad? And he looked at it and he's like, I, I don't know. So it sat on their table for a week or so. It was the new thing in the house, right? And then it made its way to the door. Every night they would kick that rock up against the door and it would keep the door closed. And every morning they would kick that rock around on the other side of the door and it would hold the door open. And that kept every day and every night for about two years. Finally, Mr. Reed uh, went on a trip, business trip to Fayetteville, North Carolina. Conrad reminded him that, hey dad, take the, the rock and figure out what it is. And so he did just that. He found a jeweler there in Fayetteville, North Carolina. The jeweler fluxed a portion of that rock off. And that rock was a 17 pound gold nugget. The jeweler asked Mr. Reed, name your price and it's yours. Name your price and it's yours. And Mr. Reed said, well, a week's worth of wages is $3.50. That's what I want. And the jeweler said, here's your $3.50. In that day, 1801, that gold nugget was worth $3,650. And that gold nugget started the first gold rush in the United States of America. I don't tell you that story just, oh, that's an interesting story back in the past. I, I tell you that story to get you to think about our sermon today and to think about God's word. Do you understand what you have? Do you understand who you have in Jesus? Do, do you know who he is? Or are you and I, are we like the reeds? We put him on the table we use him down at the bottom of the door. We use him when we absolutely need him, but we don't understand who he is or what we have in him. Paul wrote to a church that he had never visited. 
He writes to a church to remind them of who Christ is and what they have in Jesus. If you have a copy of God's Word, I'm going to read Colossians chapter 1, starting in verse number 15 down through verse number 20. He, Christ, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and all things were created for him. And he is before all things and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross." Heavenly Father, as we spend a few moments in your word, Father, would you once again refresh our minds, our memories, our lives of who Jesus is and all that he has done for us. Thank you for sending him, Father. Jesus, thank you for coming. Thank you for paying the price for my sin, for our sins. Father, I pray that you would work in the hearts of these in this room today to bring glory to your name, to encourage, to challenge, to further our walk and our journey with you. Father, it is a blessing to stand here five years from the beginning of your church, City Light Church. God, we pray for and look forward to many future days of great ministry for your name. I ask it in Christ's name. Amen. The great historian Kenneth Scott Latourette said this of Jesus. Jesus has had more effect, more effect on the history of mankind than any other of his race who have ever existed. He's not a Baptist preacher, but a Baptist preacher by the name of Adrian Rogers stated this of this same Jesus. To explain Jesus Christ is impossible. To ignore Jesus Christ is disastrous. To reject him is fatal. Understand who Jesus Christ is. To know him is to love him. To love him is to trust him. To trust him is to be radically, dramatically, and eternally changed and to be transformed. Paul knew that. Paul knew that because of a day outside of Damascus, Jesus changed his life. Has he changed yours? Has he changed your life? If you and I would see Jesus, if we would know Jesus, we would see that same change. Paul writes to these folks at Colossae to remind them of Christ. Three points this morning come in 
three statements as a brushstroke of a portrait of who Christ is for you to see, for me to see, for us to catch a new glimpse or a, another glimpse of this person, Jesus. The first brushstroke in the portrait of Christ here in this passage shows the essence of his being. Look there in verse number 15, again, down through verse 17, he states this, he is the image of the invisible God. He is the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones, dominions, rulers, or authorities, all things were created through him. All things were created for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. The portrait, the first brushstroke of this portrait of who Christ is, shows off the essence of his being. That first phrase in verse number 15, he is the image of the invisible God. The word image there is icon. You and I get our word icon from that word, that Greek word. You and I hold in our pockets or in our purses a personal computer. It's known as a phone these days. And as you and I open one of those phones, we see all different types of apps. You probably have that uppercase G on your phone, just like I have in mine. And what that is, is a picture, an icon of everything that Google has to offer. If you press that button, you press that screen, Google opens up and it is at your disposal. Everything that Google has to offer, you have at your fingertips. That is the same thing in the picture that Paul wants you and me to see about Jesus. Everything that God has to offer is found in Jesus. Two ways that he is the image of the invisible God. He is the representation of the invisible God and he is the manifestation of the invisible God. He represents God everywhere he goes, everything that he does, everything that he says, he is repping God. And he is manifesting God. You and I might understand the word representation pretty easily, but what is that word manifestation? Manifestation means this. It's an event, an action, or an object that clearly shows or embodies something. Especially, catch this last part of the definition, especially a theory or an abstract, abstract idea. You know, for many folks that live in Vicksburg, for many folks that live in DeSoto County or Lee County where I'm working or living right now, we're in the midst of a transition. God's an abstract idea. He's an abstract idea. But this Jesus manifested. He made known this abstract idea of who God is. But even those that walked with him closely, they were kind of dense sometimes. There was this guy named Philip who had walked with him for about three plus years. And at the end of those three plus years, they're coming there in John chapter 14. And Philip just says, hey, um, all this is great stuff. Jesus, will you please just show us the Father? And I just did a... <sighs> every time I read that in John chapter 14, I just sense that's what Jesus did. Probably didn't. But I just sense, Philip, 
Have I been with you so long? Philip, Philip, how long have you and I been walking together? How many times have you woken up beside me? How many meals have you and I shared? How many conversations in the afternoon have you and I had? For you to ask me that question, show us the Father. If you've seen me, Philip, you have seen the Father. If you've talked with me, Philip, you have talked with the Father. If you have watched what I've done, you have seen the Father working. He is the image of the invisible God. He represented God. He manifested God. Jesus has made God known to everyone that he came in contact with. He made God known to those who had conversations with him, those who were close to him, those that only spoke with him one time. He manifested who God is. Jesus is God and everything that is in God is in Jesus. John wrote it this way as he began his gospel. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God and all things were made through him and without him. Nothing that has been made was made. In him was life and the life was the light of men. Not only the essence of Christ is seen in the image of the invisible God, but the essence of who he is as the foundation is being shown off is that phrase, he is the firstborn in verse number 17 and verse number 18. He is the firstborn of creation. He is before all things. The Greek language, the Greek language had a number of multiple words for time, one is chronos, it's that lateral, um, one after another after another. There was 1801 in the introduction story and 1802 and now 2022 down the line. But there was also this word or this phrase used in time as that of preeminence, most important. And I, I was thinking of summer vacation and where my 18-year-old, she's going to spend the summer in New York, working with a church plant there in the city, but uh, she would love to go to Universal Studios on vacation. She has told me that numerous times, and we have looked at those websites for Universal Studios, and she is just, you know, like every other day, every other week, she just reminds me, hey, Dad, I want to go here. And one of them that she sent was of the Express Pass. Dad, we could get this, and we'd go to the front of the line. Jesus is the ultimate VIP, front of the line. He is preeminent in all that he is, in everything that he does. He is first place, and that is at his essence of who he is, all that he does. He is preeminent, firstborn of creation. He is in first place. City Light, sir, ma'am, is he first place in your heart? Not on Sunday morning at 10.30. No, that's easy. That's why you're here. That's why I'm here. But is he first place on Tuesday afternoon at 3.42? Is it first place in your heart when you're sitting across the table from a coworker who you're having some friction with? Is he first place in your heart when you and your wife are having a <clears throat> discussion Is he first place in your life when kids are not going the direction that you want them to go? Uh, 
The essence of who Christ is is described and shown brushstroke after brushstroke to see the portrait of Christ as the image of the invisible God, representing and manifesting who God is, preeminent in everything that he says, does, or speaks of. I shared with you a couple of verses of John's description of him in John chapter 1. Let me finish that description and also one that he writes at the end of his life in Revelation chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was the life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son of, from the Father, full of grace and truth. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He, Christ, has made him known. And then in Revelation chapter 1, I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me. And on turning, I saw seven golden lampstands, and in the midst of the lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. His hairs of his head were white like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace. And his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand held, he held seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword. And his face was like the sun shining in full strength. Do you see him? Have you encountered this Jesus? This Jesus is preeminent. This Jesus is the image of the invisible God. This Jesus is the one who took your sins and my sins on the cross and paid for your transgressions, your iniquities, and bought you back for himself. This is Jesus. And when you and I see him, church, you and I are changed. Mondays are different, and Fridays are different, and Saturdays are different, and family outings are different. Sitting, at the sitting on the couch is different. Work is different when you and I get a glimpse of this Jesus. The description here is given in verses 15 through 20 for this church to grasp Jesus. May you and I be like that church in Colossae as they were reminded of this Jesus. And may you and I not be like God's people of yesteryear in Jeremiah's day when God spoke to them in these words. But my people have changed their glory for that which does not profit. Be appalled. Be appalled, O heavens, at this. Be shocked by utterly desolate, declares the Lord. For my people, my people, God says, have committed two evils. They have forsaken me the fountain of living waters, and they have hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns at that that can hold no waters. How many times will you and I chase after the things of this world, City Light? Let me rephrase that. 
How many more times will you and I chase after the things of the world? How many more times will you and I put things in front of Christ who is to be preeminent? How many more times will you and I chase after family? Will you and I chase after money? Will you and I chase after leisure? Will you and I chase after prideful things that we want instead of chasing after the King of kings and the Lord of lords? Might you and I chase after him with everything that you and I have? Might you and I come back to the fountain of living waters and walk away from your broken cisterns that can't hold water? Might you and I see Jesus in the essence of who he is? But also might we see him, let me put point two and three together and we'll move along in the sermon. How's that? Getting ready for ribs. Amen. The second brushstroke is this. The portrait displays the position that he holds. And the third brushstroke kind of goes with it. The portrait draws a focus on the action of his work. The position that he holds and the action of his work. Look at this as I read these verses once again. And let's pick out some of these positions and some of these actions that show us Christ. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. First position and also action is that of creator. Genesis chapter 1 states that he created. John chapter 1 states that he created. Colossians chapter 1 states that he created. He created all things, things that are seen and things that are unseen. Things, all things were created through him and all things were created for him. Just a quick side note, just a quick side note. I'm, I'm 48, 49, 49, I forget. I think I'm 49, uh, 49. And, uh, you know, every single one of us walked by a mirror and every time you and I walk by a mirror and you and I look at ourselves, we have thoughts. Might I just state this side note? Do you want to know the purpose of who you are and why you were created the way that you were created? You were created for Christ. You were created by Christ just the way that you are. You and I live in a culture and in a world that we don't like the way that we look. You and I might buff our skin. You and I might lather our skin. We might wet it, tug it, dry it, pull it. You might staple it, lift it, spank it, peel it, mask it, lipo it, tone it, worship it, worry all about it. But might you and I understand this, like the psalmist, you and I are fearfully and wonderfully made, just how you are just how I am. 
You are fearfully and wonderfully made by a creator who loves you and desires for you to know him as he knows you. Not only is he creator, he is sustainer. He holds everything together. He tells the sun to shine and it shines. He tells the earth to spin and the earth says, I'm tired of spinning. And he says, spin and it spins. He tells the atoms in every cell of your body to stay there and hold together and they do that. He allows you to inhale and exhale even without thinking about it. He sustains your days, weeks, years, and life. Creator. Sustainer, reconciler. Christ, through his sacrifice, has brought you back to the Father. He has brought you back to the Father. He volunteered to leave the right hand of the Father for one purpose, and that purpose was to die so that you and I might live and be close to our Father. It's God's plan. Jesus' actions that give you and me the opportunity to be God's sons and daughters. But the reason that I picked this passage were not just those. It was that phrase in verse number 18. He is the head of the body, the church. For five years... City Light Church has been here in Vicksburg. For five years, you, somewhere along the journey, have come to be a part of this church. And when you're talking with your friends and your family, you say, hey, this is my church. And on one level, you are exactly correct. For 15 years, my church was River Bend Church. I helped plan it, pastored it. But on a whole nother level, this is not your church. It's never going to be your church. It is his church. He is the only one who has sacrificed and bled and died for this church. He is the beginning of it. He is the author of it. He is the finisher of it. It is his church. And as City Light Church, members, a part of this body, might you and I understand he is the head. The beginning of the uh, sermon, I gave you a quote from Adrian Rogers. Adrian Rogers was my pastor when I was at Bellevue. And I I remember one Palm Sunday, we're coming up on Palm Sunday. I remember one Palm Sunday in the 80s where they had roped off the whole side of the parking lot and we couldn't park where we normally park. I mean, we got upset. We couldn't park where we wanted to park because it was roped off. And at the end of the service, Dr. Rogers and the leaders there at Bellevue said, all right, everybody, nobody go to your cars. Everybody go out to the parking lot. And we went out to the parking lot, and there, tape masked off, was a body, and it looked as if it was the body of Christ. And he said, everybody get inside the body. And there was a helicopter that was flying over, and they took a picture of everybody inside the body of Christ. Two weeks later, they said, all right, everybody at the end of the service, the week after, after Easter, everybody go out into the foyer on your way out, and you pick up a picture. And it was... Bellevue Baptist Church, and it was us standing in the outline of the body of Christ. He is the head. In that picture, I am about a right elbow. That's about, my, that's about where I need to be. That's where he's gifted me to be. 
every single one of you, he has gifted to be a part of the body. Where you are and where you're serving, where you're a part of, is where he has gifted you and desires you to be plugged into his body. Here at City Light, may you serve where he is gifted, and may you serve to bring glory to his great name. Not only do we see that this brushstroke shows the essence of who he is, the positions of creator, sustainer, reconciler, and the actions, the head of the body, the, the church. May I close this morning with these words. John Blanchard, author, pastor, evangelist on the other side of the pond over in England of the last century, has estimated that of all the people who have ever lived since the dawn of civilization, there have been about 60 billion with a B people that have walked planet Earth. And out of that 60 billion, there have only been a handful that have actually changed their world. And of those handful that have actually changed their world, there has been one who has changed everyone's world. He never wrote a book, meaning that he never took up a pen and actually wrote a book that we know of, yet library after library could be filled with the volumes of the multiplied millions of volumes that have been written about Jesus. He never painted a picture, meaning that he never picked up a brush, a trowel, anything to sculpt, never sat down at an instrument to play, yet, as far as we know, the world's greatest art, the world's greatest dramas, the world's greatest music, the greatest literature has Jesus Christ as its source. He never raised an army, so far as we know, yet multiplied millions have died for him. He never traveled very far from his birthplace, yet if, with his testimony, he has gone around the world and around and around and around the world again in every generation. He only had a handful of followers that followed him in his ministry, yet today over 30% of the world's population call his name Lord. He had no formal education didn't attend a university or a seminary, yet there are thousands upon thousands of universities and seminaries, colleges and schools that are built in and for the name of Jesus Christ. He has changed the world. Time as we know it is by him, B.C., before Christ, and A.D., in the year of our Lord. City Light, please look to Jesus. May you and I look to him as those at Colossae looked at him. May your first five years as a church, you have looked at him, and may the next 100 or 200 years as a church, may you continue to look at him the same. Sir, ma'am, today might you look to Jesus so that your life right now in 2022 would be different so that your week would be different, so that your family relationships would be different, so that your relationship with the Father would be different. 
for he is the one who gives you and me the answer. As you see verse after verse after verse of the New Testament, as you see verse after verse of the Old Testament pointing to him, New Testament writing about him, might you and I look at him like we've never looked at him before, for he is King Jesus. Heavenly Father, I bow before you. God, I thank you for passages like Colossians chapter 1. 